0: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
1: The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com.
2: Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley.
3: Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Adley, your host. I'm a physician trained in Britain, living in Canada, and who's worked in the U.S. And since retiring from uh, medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving, which explains the name of the show, Family Caregivers Unite. Our topic today is the unpaid, unrecognized family caregiver. And here's what I've learned from listening to Family Caregivers Unite and all my guests. Family caregivers face challenges. They face the challenge of caring for the health of the family member day and night. The challenge of helping the family member live as normal a life as is possible the challenge of getting particular types of help that the family member needs, the challenge of getting the information they, the family caregivers, need and can trust, the challenge of looking after their own health, and the challenge of connecting with other family caregivers. Now our guest today is Carol Stanley, who is going to talk to us about all of these things and others besides. First, Carol was born in England in 1944 At the age of 16, she took up work in shorthand and typing at the Bank of America in London, England. At 18, she left home and travelled on a student work visa to Germany, where she spent the next year in work that included housekeeper in a small village. During this time, she learned German. Then she immigrated to Canada, and on her way she travelled steerage on the Empress of Canada, where she met her future husband, and they married in Cleveland, Ohio. She holds dual Canadian-American citizenship. Both their children are American citizens. In 1991, she was diagnosed with breast cancer and had surgery and radiation therapy. Then she sent herself to college where she graduated with a diploma in recreation and leisure. Her new career took her into health care, working mainly in geriatrics. And now she's family caregiver for her 90-year-old father. During World War II, he was a sergeant in the Air Force, while her mother worked in factories to help the war effort. Welcome to the show, Carol.
4: Thank you very much, Gordon. It's really nice to be on the show with you and to be... Um, talking with someone who is actually interested in uh, family caregiving.
3: Great, wonderful to have you. Now, Thank I have a, my, my first question for you is this. Please tell us more about your life and your work in Canada.
4: Well, my life right now is... Um, I live uh, in British Columbia on the uh, northern part of the Sunshine Coast only accessible by ferry, so it's a very remote, uh, remote location. And as in any small town, of course, there are only limited facilities for what one can acquire for help for my father and for myself as a caregiver. So uh, if we want to go anywhere at all, then we have to go to Vancouver or the big city And so it's been quite an experience for me in the last two years to try and piece together some sort of help for myself and and my father.
3: It sounds as though you're in an isolated place. Is that right? And if so, how do you travel? I don't know whether this is the right word, but how do you travel to the mainland?
4: Well, you have two options. You can either take two ferries, Well, you can take one ferry to Vancouver Island or two ferries to Vancouver. Or if you have enough money, you can take a plane trip on Pacific Coastal, which only takes 20 minutes over the mountains, and it is very beautiful. So we do have those options, but mostly it is via ferry. So we have to coordinate all our doctor's appointments and any other appointment with the ferry schedules.
3: Now, I want to ask you about your experience as a family caregiver in Canada in the kind of environment or the environment you've just been talking about.
4: Well, I have to say, Gordon, that um, actually I've only really been a hands-on caregiver to my father for the past two years. Uh, before that, in his, when he was in his early 90s, he's 92 now, he lived in uh, London, Ontario, And he was actually doing quite well for a 90 year old. He still drives his own car. He would make very simple but very nutritious meals vegetables and a piece of fresh meat or fish every day, and doing quite well. Um, One day I received a telephone call from him and it said, Carol, you have to come immediately and get me. I can't do this anymore. And it's not certainly not something I had planned on doing. But he is my father, and I did get on a plane and went to uh, London, Ontario, and uh, began the process of packing up his belongings and dealing with the piles and piles of bills that had accumulated over this time that he was just, now far too anxious to even address. And I really didn't know what I was going to get myself into. When I went through the bills, the most staggering bill that I found were the bank statements. The bank statements were getting bigger and bigger and bigger, more and more interest, and I couldn't understand, Dad, what are you doing? What are you doing here? I can't understand it. What's going on? Don't worry about it Carol don't worry the I've been told by the manager himself that I have overdraft protection and I'm totally taken care of and I said look but look at the interest you're paying dad on this overdraft protection it's more than your monthly payments what's going on here he said I don't know I don't know it's too confusing for me I can't deal with this anymore I think that was the biggest hurdle that I've ever come across because I felt like hell on wheels that day. <laughs> I went to, straight to the bank manager where well, I had an appointment. I went to him and said, what is going on here? He's In his 90s, he doesn't understand overdraft protection and he doesn't understand the accrued interest. And I actually think this is elder abuse. And I had to use those words, words that had never come out of my, name, out of my mouth before. In fact, I've never seen a bank bank manager before. I always went with my husband. But you know when you're really angry and passionate, you do things you think that you could never have done before. So um, the bank manager, sort of after hearing that statement, took it a little more seriously. And after having me fill in copious amounts of paper saying that I would be the power of attorney and pay for all bills if they weren't paid, so on and so forth, The bank manager and I did sit down and uh, discuss uh, some solutions to my father's problems, and the bank manager did at that time, to his credit, take a lot of the charges off of my father's account, and we came up with a a monthly uh, payment plan for him. But there was still a lot of money that was owed and, and to be paid off. And I did ask the bank manager at that time, Why is there not a bank liaison person that can actually help the elderly when they come in to really know what they're doing when they sign up for, oh, this, you know, this credit card or that credit card, or you can have three months free here if you do this and that and one thing and another. Nothing's really explained and they don't understand it, but they think it's free. At least in my father's case, he thought it was free. So that was a really horrific experience, uh, one that I never want to have to go through again. While I was in London, I also called uh, the local ombudsman to try and tell him what was happening. It was her, actually, a lady. And they told me, well, yes, we will certainly put this on the agenda for our next meeting, but I, I never, ever heard anything from them again. That was the end of that story. So I've packed my father up and started getting his bill straightened out and um, traveled back with him to um, my hometown now, which is Power River on the Upper Sunshine Coast, the remote uh, town I, I alluded to in the beginning. And Can't my really- fa- oh, yes,
3: go ahead. I was just saying, Carol, just to interrupt you, is your father now living with you or does he still live alone?
4: No, no. Um, uh, originally, he was going to live with us. We never thought it was a good situation, my husband and I, because we're just such different people, just totally, totally different people. We knew that it would be, it would cause some friction. But I did go to the veterans. My father is. Um, the veteran of World War II, and asked them, I said, "Um, can my father come and live with me in my house, Then would you supply any sort of help for us? And the answer was no, absolutely not. If the father, if the loved one is living in your house, we do not provide any kind of home help for that because you're there to do it. You are the caregiver and he's in your house and that's what you do. And I said, but I have a life. I, I have a life outside of everything else. Can't I get two hours a week? No, you can't. I'm sorry. I said, well, what is the real reason behind this? And they told me basically that they see it as a question of fraud, that they cannot trust the caregiver to actually be looking after the uh, family member or loved one in their home and they might just be collecting the money and I've heard that term fraud used when I've asked many questions of many people in how to get help it seems
3: Sorry, I'm I'm just going to stop you now because it's a tough point to stop Mm -hmm. but i am going to do that because it is time for us to take the break (coughs) which we'll now do and we're going to come back to it so it's time for the break we have to pay our rent this is dr gordon and my guest is carol stanley you're listening to family caregivers unite on the voice america variety channel please stay with us we will be back
2: Search Voice America at your favorite app store.
0: If you're looking for answers and solutions, you don't have to look to expensive treatments, consultations, and methods. All you have to do is listen to your connections. Every week, the Dr. Melanie Show will teach you how to do just that. Dr. Melanie Barton will share her gifts and talents and teach you to do the same. And in doing so, find the solutions to the issues in your life that you truly need you'll learn about holistic and practical health in six key areas. Discover the Dr. Melanie Show, Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. News, opinion, Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You know I need
2: someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
3: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Carol Stanley. Our topic is the unpaid, unrecognized family caregiver. Let's now talk about the challenges for family caregivers in Canada based on your own experiences. So, first of all, Carol, what are the most important challenges you experienced as a family caregiver in Canada? You've already told us about one. What are the other ones?
4: Well, there have been challenges with almost every agency that I have approached because my father is now living in his his own apartment in um, Power River. Uh, he gets up in the morning, brushes his own teeth, combs his own hair, and makes his own breakfast. So from that point of view, public health does not see my father as a person with a disability or in need of any kind of help. Although we do know, I think a big distinction has to be made here between a disability and old age and age-related symptoms, because there's a very, very gray area in my mind, having observed this as a caregiver. As we age, and it's happening to me right now, not not right this minute that I'm talking to you, Gordon, but (laughs) I mean it is happening slowly that I'm losing some of my gray matter. I'm losing some of my cognitive ability, and it happens to everyone. We don't think quite as well or quite as fast. Another thing that changes as we age is that we have gait instability. And we all do it. We all start to sort of waddle a little bit like a duck or walk a little slower or, you know, it just comes. It just comes with age. And, of course, the biggest thing with gait instability is that your balance goes. And when your balance goes, you're more likely to have a fall. And if you have a fall well, then you really do have a disability. because many people at that age, and especially at my father's age now, 92, if he has a four now, it would be very, very hard for him to recover and lead a normal life again. So I, it's just in my mind as a caregiver that has to be looked at in the very broader sense of disability and aging, and not make it such a black and white, um, well, he cleans his teeth, he brushes his hair, what more do you want? To This is a 92-year-old man that's trying his utmost, and I mean utmost, he's a very, very different kind of person to stay independent. He stayed so independent that after a really, really, vigorous, vigorous driving tests that they just put him through, that they wouldn't put a normal person through. Mental tests and computer tests and driving to a strange city where there's lots of traffic like Nanaimo, he actually passed the test. So they couldn't do anything about that. He's 92 and he's driving his car and he's a jolly good driver. So perhaps he's a little different in a lot of senses, but that does not mean that he does not need care. That was my long and short version my experience with public health.
3: What I'm hearing from you Carol is a couple of things that are profoundly important. One is that although your father is very well able to do complex things like driving even though uh, they put him through the toughest test imaginable, apparently he passed. But at the same time, I think what you're saying to us is that, as age overtakes him, as it will overtake us all, um, he's getting frail. He is
4: he's frail. Not... He is frail. Yes.
3: And what I think I'm also hearing you say is that the division or the separation between being. Disable, carol what you've been saying to us is this as i've understood it one one thing um while your father is able to pass a very tough driver's test um pass it successfully and continue to drive at the same time he's getting frail yeah. uh, he's not as good on his legs as he used to be, sure. and there's always the risk of him falling. Sure. What, what you've now said to us, what you also said to us was, that's where it makes it difficult to make a distinction between, on the one hand, the effects of aging, and on the other hand, the effects of disability. Now, that's sure. a very interesting question, and I want to ask you now to say more about How you would distinguish between disability and these effects of aging, which you've talked about and I've mentioned back to you?
5: Well, I think you have to distinguish. There's always going to have to be, you know, disability, if you have Alzheimer's, is very different from being a frail, elderly person. But and I'm just hearing this question for the first time, but the way it comes to my mind is that there has to be some something in the middle there. You can't just go between disability and no disability. There has to be something, some middle ground that is not being met right now so that um, my father also has a problem with his heart arrhythmia every day um, you know there 's a lot of other things that go on and the, and it 's very frightening for him and very anxious and Of course, he calls us when he thinks he 's going to die or wants to go to the hospital to have a you know to have a mask put on his face for breathing and so forth uh, i don 't know what it is gordon i, I can 't tell you in words. I just don't know enough it's just that i know in my heart there's something missing between no you can't have help you don't have a disability and but oh by the way if he falls down the stairs tomorrow you'll be all right you can get help it just seems cruel doesn't seem right doesn't seem human i don't know what else to say about it gordon
3: i think that's very clear i think what you're saying i'm going to not quite repeat it back to you, but I'm going to summarize it. What you're saying is that aging by itself doesn't seem to attract any sympathy, doesn't attract enough understanding of what the actual problems are, and as far as the authorities are concerned, all of them, aging of your father is your problem and not theirs, exactly. even though he does need some kinds of help. Is that a fair statement back I to I
5: think that you've put it very well, yes.
3: All right. Now we're going to come back to that in a moment, um, but I will to ask you the contrasting question now, which is, what's been the best help you've received for your family caregiving, and when, where, from whom, or where did the um, did the help come?
5: Well, I would have to say, quite honestly, that the best help I have received is from my husband, not related to my father in any way but he certainly does not want to see me in distress. So he has helped tremendously with my father, and especially uh, my husband is an accountant, so especially in the financial area of getting him online banking, making sure that he can get the most out of his tax returns, But also, you know, having him over for dinner, having barbecues. And as you know right now, Gordon, I'm not in Canada. I'm in Pittsburgh, the United States, because my daughter's just had a baby. So I'm also looking after a two-week-old baby right now while my daughter gets some sleep. So my husband is actually picking up the slack that I would normally be doing for my dad. So I'd say the most help has come from my husband. And I would say, (laughs) quite honestly, to blow my own horn, that I've been my own best help. Because when I didn't know where to turn, I just didn't know where to turn. And I was so, I just seemed like so invisible to everyone. No one was listening to me and I was being turned down at every place I went to for every agency. I sat down at my computer one day with a glass of wine and wrote an article called, Am I Just Spam? And I wrote that article because I felt like I must be living in a Mon- Monty Python skit. There can be no other words for this than this is just pure
3: comedy. You, you used a word then that I didn't quite catch. Was it spam, you said? I use the word spam, and that might not be a good word. I
5: hope that doesn't offend anyone. It's just that, you know, there is a Monty Python skit that goes spam, 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 spam. Got it. You know, and it's t- utter utter nonsense is what it means. Uh, uh, just utter right. nonsense. It doesn't
3: mean no disrespect to
5: anyone for it, right you know, in anything. Yes, now, yes. I'm going to
3: stop you because we do have to take the break, but by mm. gosh, we're coming back. Mm-hmm. So it is time for the break. This Mm -hmm. is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Carol Stanley. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. We're coming back. Find
2: out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. You've got your family and you need to keep talking and you need to keep understanding and look into yourself, who you are, what kind of person you want to be. What would
0: be the one most simple advice you would give to a healing
4: agoraphobic? I don't know if it's a panic attack or whatever it
5: is. It's happening very frequently. I don't have to be in any place where there's no, air. it can happen even on the road. People get over things. You can't look back. You've got to look forward and learn something from your past.
2: Join Dr. Raymond Hamden in the psychologist's chair every Tuesday at 9 a.m. U.S. Pacific
1: Time on Voice America Variety. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal Finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for The Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard
0: Ask the experts. Call toll free right now 1 866 472 5787. And ask our All Star team to answer your question. That's 1 866 472 5787. Thank
2: you for calling.
0: VoiceAmerica.com. Help, you know, I need someone. Help.
2: You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
3: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Carol Stanley. Our topic is the unpaid, unrecognized family caregiver. Now, I want to talk more with you, Carol, and ask you more about the problems that family caregivers experience in getting help they really need. But before I ask you that, I just want to make a comment back to you. I asked you what was the best help you got, and you said it came from your husband, your partner, and that really means family caregiving. You were both. Absolutely,
5: absolutely, because the rest of my family. My father's family, of course, are all still in England, so it's very, very hard for them to be a part of the caregiving process.
3: Sure. So,
5: you know, we're sort of limited, and we don't have extended family around us. Right.
3: Now, I'm going to ask you to tell us more about the kind of help you needed most and didn't receive enough of, or perhaps you didn't receive any, and also to say, where did you go to request the help? Um, well, What was the help you didn't get and could have used much more of, first off? Carol?
5: Well, you see, the help I needed was, it sounds rather funny to say, where do I go to get the help? Because you drive into Power River and there is no big billboard that says, come to us, we'll uh, we'll give you all your caregiving answers. <laughs> There's nothing. There's nothing. And then, of course, you start to... And we've already covered this in the program, I think. You start to look around at all the different agencies that might help you. And they have policies and procedures in place, like the veterans. My dad can't live in my house. Public health, where, you know, he's not disabled. Um... it's it's a very difficult thing I don't really know anymore other than providing, going out and becoming an activist and providing my own help. I, I honestly don't know how to answer that, Gordon.
3: Perfectly fair. I think I'm going to put something back to you, though, about it. That is, it comes back to what you said before. Your father isn't officially disabled so therefore there's no help for him, and there's the particular complication of where you live, which I don't want to be sound as though I'm insulting until I'm not, but is isolated, so that what somebody living in a big city might take for granted right. isn't, isn't available to you. Is that right? Yes,
5: that is quite cl- true, but I want to say that there are some fantastic organizations that have helped him, and uh, since he is a veteran, the Legion has been terrific. The local legion in Power River has been phenomenal to my father. They make sure now that I'm I'm not in Power River, that he is, you know, someone calls every day to make sure he's okay. They come, and uh, my father, who is an engineer, which is probably one of the reasons he can still drive his car. He knows how to tinker with things. He uses his computer a lot. He's on Skype with his family in England. He's just signed up for Facebook, although I don't think he knows quite how to use it yet. He's waiting for me to get home for that. But uh, they come in, the Legion members who are retired, and they've had their own careers. One of them, you know, had a career in um, computers, has been into my dad's home and set him all up and got him going and... um, there's other people who repair his car for him so that he doesn't have to pay an arm and a leg to go to the local garage and and have his uh, car repaired. And there's also a very social element to the legion. He, My dad loves to dance. In fact, he loves the ladies. <laughs> so, you know, that is something. Although he can't dance very, or, or move very well anymore. He has to sit most of the time, but... He still likes to get out and listen to the music, and to get back to the original question that the Legion is one of the, has been one of the greatest helps to me to take the burden off of me
3: and to really help my father. Right now, I'm going to feed back to you something. We uh, a little while back in this uh, in this discussion, we said family caregiving really does mean family. Caregiving, and now what you're also saying is that family caregiving also involves community caregiving in the sense of volunteers, sense of people who retired, sense of people who want to help others, sense of people who want to feel that they're contributing to society. Am I right A- about that? Absolutely,
5: absolutely. There the are wonderful, wonderful people out there that help. And they're helping, like, with his activities of daily living and socialization and uh, really helping in, in that sense. Right. Uh, there are very good organizations, and in my mind, if the, the organizations were actually to use social media, which is now, you know, is, is the way of the future, to come together themselves, um, I think there's a Canadian Coalition of Caregivers and um, Family Caregivers Association, I think. I know I'm going to one of their AGMs when I return. I'm, um, if all these organizations actually networked with each other instead of sort of the patchwork quilt that we're looking at now, the patchwork quilt needs to be sewn together. And when all these pieces of the patchwork quilter phone so together there well there could actually be a national caregiver association and once that takes place then i think caregivers are on the road to um to um actually being able to uh lobby the uh the government and um start looking at uh, the big issue of who actually are going to be the caregivers of the future with a declining population um, and, you know, sort of making a fuss and being heard.
3: That sounds like political activity to me. Is that what you're talking about?
5: I think it's the only way to go if you really want real change because there will always be people that with, with good hearts that will offer you a meal and offer you help and offer you rides here and there, but they're they're helping the person who needs the help. I suppose they're helping the caregiver in a way, but if you're looking at what's going to happen five or ten years down the road with a burgeoning baby boomer population and the declining birth rate, who are the caregivers actually going to be? Very so, I, I, so I do think political change is needed, yes.
3: Yeah, it's a very good question. And in segment four, we're going to talk about that. But right. I, have a, I have a question. I mean, I'm a retired physician, mm-hmm. and so I'm going to ask a question like this. And I think you've got a physician in your family too. I'm right? Yes, yes. Right. So how well do you think doctors and nurses understand the problems of family caregivers of the kind that you've just been talking to us about? How, how, how well the, the doctors and nurses really grasp the challenges that family caregivers go through?
5: Well, quite honestly, I think um, doctors and nurses and caregivers in general are really called in a catch-22 because already there's just too many people to look after, that they cannot give the quality of care to, to anyone. I mean, the, personally, I think Canadian health care is in total disarray and needs total overhaul of everything. Uh, doctors and nurses or any caregiver that has uh, a family person of their own that uh, needs looking after, that needs help, they could probably be very, very understanding of the plight of a caregiver. I have a doctor in Power River whose mother, she has a mother. She lives in Austria, actually. But you know, she tells me that she goes through many of the similar things that I, that I go through because she, she's very concerned about her mother. Uh, other than that, I can't say there's a lot of compassion from doctors or nurses at all. Right. I, I haven't. Well, personally, I haven't seen it at all. And and and. Some of the, well, some of the, well, sometimes I don't even like to use the word professionals, even though I should, I suppose have been, they have been rude, actually. They, they have not really had the time because they want to look after my father, would get his five minutes of action, put in their billing for that five minutes. And as you know, in the medical field, time is money, and their time is very important. And they want to earn their money, but we as caregivers, our time seems to be irrelevant. Irrever- yeah.
3: Yeah.
5: We have all the time in the world.
3: Yeah, and it's your duty anyway.
5: Of course, and and, I th- and think more as women. Yeah. Women, we we feel you know we still haven't got over. We're not really that liberated as we think we are.
3: It's right. Still, the
5: women who who carry the burden most of the time.
3: Now, what you're saying to me, I'm going to re- re- kind of uh, review back to you in this way, that it sounds as though doctors and nurses, on the one hand, if they've been what's often called double-duty caregivers, that is to say they provide care to uh, during the day as part of their job, and then they come home at night and start looking after a member of the mm-hmm. family. This applies mm-hmm. particularly to nurses, but it also applies to doctors. Mm-hmm. Then they have some sense of what the family caregivers are going through. But if they're not of that generation Mm -hmm. uh, or that is not their circumstances, Mm -hmm. then I think what you're saying to us, yes or no, is that there should be some better education for doctors and nurses of what family caregiving is about. Is that right? Absolutely.
5: I think in medical school there should be a course on how to deal with caregivers.
3: Right. Right. Okay. Now, uh, we're coming up to another break, so I'm, I'm just going to round that discussion off by saying I think that people, and I'm, all of you, and people like you, Carol, do have that job of communicating. Uh, you know, the word realities is often used these days, but what it really is, the family caregiving, what's really required, and how people like professionals, like doctors, like nurses, can understand and be as helpful as they possibly can because what you're going through, Carol, may also happen to them. Now, on that particular point, I'm going to break for the break. Mm -hmm. Um, This is Dr. Gordon Alley, and my guest is Carol Stanley. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned because we're coming back. (music)
2: A way to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 11.11 11.11 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 11.11 Talk Radio, because shift happens.
0: News. News. Opinion. 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 Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. you know I need
2: someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to doc G at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
3: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Carol Stanley. Our topic is the unpaid, unrecognized family caregiver. Now, Carol, as you've said, and I'm going to repeat in a different way, people these days are living longer and longer. The result of that is... More and more people are likely to age, obviously, and more and more people are likely to develop the types of diseases for which there is no cure. I'm talking about Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease and these kind of diseases which overtake elderly people. They cause all kinds of problems to the family as well as the people people themselves, Mm -hmm. family caregivers themselves. Mm -hmm. Now, for those people what the people what the healthcare planners are planning you know these are the very clever <laughs> bureaucrats politicians uh-huh. are senior they
5: caregivers
3: yeah well I, I doubt it but they may one or two maybe and it's those we're mm-hmm. talking to mm-hmm. what they're planning for is more and more caring at home because it mm-hmm. saves money that is it's not as expensive to the healthcare system as having somebody are occupying a bed. Now, I'm not trying to say they want to shut everybody out of the healthcare system. They don't. But what they do want to see is more of what you're doing. But you've made the point, and you've made it very effectively, that unless there's a disability certificate signed, so to speak, there actually isn't any support for family caregivers, for people who are, are, don't get me wrong, just aging. So, Carol, I want to know from you what you think needs to be done to get more and better help for Canadian family caregivers and who should do the things to get the more and better help. Carol?
5: Well, I think we did allude to some of that um, during the the talk of, um, you know, sort of more networking and social media and actually getting a strong uh, caregivers' association behind us so that we can lobby for the changes that we want. And of course that has to be spoken about with all caregivers as to the kind of change they would like to see. But as we do live longer and longer and our workforce is getting smaller and smaller and people these days are working two or three jobs to try and make ends meet and they're not having the same retirement benefits in place I don't know that today will be capable, will have the time to be able to take time off work to become a caregiver. Yeah. So I think that the government, when it's doing its planning, has to make it worthwhile, make it... um, an income that someone can live on to be pe- and pay the pe- the caregiver, instead of going out and uh, working at X Y Z company, whatever it is, that they can get the same benefits if they stay at home, and become a professional family health caregiver, and they are professional and part of the healthcare system who are already, as we've said, saving the healthcare care system billions of dollars every year. Uh, you know, that's the only way I can see that people have to be paid. Yeah. People have to be paid for their services the same as a doctor or a nurse or any other professional wants to be paid for their services.
3: Yeah. I'm going to say to you something that you probably already know. Um, First of all, you and I, and everybody can tell this from our accents, are both from Britain, but in Britain, they do actually pay family caregivers um, an hourly rate for family caregiving. Now, first off, did you know that, Carol? And second off, much more important question is, is that what you're saying should happen in Canada and other countries as well? What do you think?
5: Well, actually, uh, Gordon, until you uh, did mention that to me, I didn't really know that uh, England um, did pay caregivers to actually look after their loved ones or uh, family members. But if they pay, and if such a system is set up, then it has to be a livable wage. Otherwise, the caregiver is going to be no better off they're going to be receiving minimum wage as a caregiver and still having to find a part-time job or a full-time job to go out and receive for their own retirement because where is that coming from?
3: Hmm. Yeah. This is another coming back to you, but I've heard on on this show people talking about the financial burden and losses that they've gone through spending money mm. on all aspects of care, mm. even mm. lawyers' fees, mm. all kinds of services that the healthcare system doesn't provide,
5: exactly. to the point
3: where they get into financial difficulty.
5: Exactly.
3: Okay. Yeah. So yeah. paying them to, uh, can I put it this way, to subsidise the healthcare system by? providing a, a system, which, a service which is less costly would seem to be not only good business sense, but also fair. Now, we've only a short time to go, and I just want to ask you a final question. What should Canadian family caregivers as a group do to attract attention to their needs? You've already touched on this, but I want you to finish up with a kind of rallying call. Let's pretend you're, you're standing for election, and let's mm-hmm. say... I'm the audience, and you want to tell me what your platform is going to be to support family caregivers because you're one yourself.
5: Carol? Well, what I would say basically um, to caregivers in general is I'm just an average person who had to become brave enough to really stand up to the system as I did with the bank manager, and many other professionals that I have met. And I think perhaps Canadians are far too polite and they don't want to do that. And if you don't do that, you're, going to get the, you're just going to get the brush off all the time. So you have to find some fortitude within you to really start getting some fight behind you. And I know it's very hard to get fight behind you when you're exhausted. Um to come together, to form an association, and really go after the government. Well, I, I can't see anything else happening, really and truly. Unless, I mean, I know I've heard my husband tell me that the um, male gonna... men and women are on strike right now yes. in Canada. Where they're getting a lot of attention. Carol, they're living to there.
3: You. I'm sorry, uh-huh. Uh-huh. but you've just made a very powerful statement. That is the strength in numbers. Uh, strengthen each other, Mm. be political about it. You're absolutely Mm -hmm. right. Now, I'm only sorry that I had to interrupt you, but time is up for our episode. Now, I want to say thank you first to our listeners. Please do email us with comments and questions, which I'll be very happy to pass on to Carol. To Carol, thank you for sharing with us your insights, your experience, your advice, and also that sense of the need to get organized for Family Caregivers Unite to get their voices heard and get some kind of fair and reasonable help with the burden that they're carrying on behalf not only of their families but also of the health system. Now, in our next episode, we'll talk about Al-Anon's help for family caregivers with a family member with alcohol problems. Please join us, same time, same spot, on the Internet. Talk to you then.